Welcome to This Much I Learned, Marketing Week's monthly podcast in which we invite the great and good in marketing and beyond to impart their wisdom and perspective on marketing matters. My name is Russell Parsons, Editor-in-Chief of Marketing Week, and I am your host for this episode. Our guest is Bob Hoffman, who, by his own declaration, has been making marketers uncomfortable since 2013 and is the man behind the hugely successful Ad Contrarian blog and newsletter, where he delivers weekly critical thinking and analysis. He's also the author of six best-selling books in which he has laid bare some of the worst excesses of the ad industry. The latest is the just-released Ad Scam, how online advertising gave birth to one of history's greatest frauds and became a threat to democracy. Now, he didn't just assume the role of industry agitator from nowhere. His insight comes from years of working in advertising, latterly as CEO and chair of his own agency, Hoffman Lewis. It's fair to say that he understands and appreciates advertising's past and has plenty to say on its present and future. Bob Hoffman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Russell. It's very nice to be here and um, I appreciate you inviting me. Great to have you. Now, I mentioned in my intro that your aim is to make marketers uncomfortable. So where does this desire to confront come from? Uh, you know, I have uh, always been a pain in the ass, and um, this is nothing new. And I just think that the advertising and marketing industries are living in a fantasy land. And uh, I think that my job as a writer is to be subversive uh, and um, make the aristocrats in our industry uncomfortable. Um, you know, if you're not, if I'm just writing the kind of stuff that everyone else is writing, what value am I delivering? I think the answer is none. And so I try to look for the things that I think are wrong and um, talk about them. And uh, and I think there's plenty wrong. So I'm very rarely running out of things to talk about. Well, we'll get on to plenty of those things that are worth laying bare uh, as we go through uh, today. Uh, but I mentioned in my uh, introduction that uh, you have just released a new book. Uh, and one of the things you become very well known for via your blogs and speaking gigs is your thoughts on online advertising, in particular, the practice of tracking. Uh, so much so uh, that you've collected all those thoughts together in that book, Ad Scam. Uh, and uh, it's a sobering read, I think it's fair to say. Uh, and it should be for all marketers. It should be challenging, yes. But to my mind, anyway, act as a, a rallying call to do better. And it's also a pertinent one. Ad fraud is still on the rise, according to multiple estimates. So how would you sum up your conclusions uh, to the marketers listening and why in particular should they care? Well, my conclusion is that ad tech and specifically tracking is a very dangerous thing. And it's dangerous in a number of ways. Number one, it's dangerous to individuals. Uh, we know what happens traditionally in history 
when governments know everything about us, when they follow us everywhere, know everywhere we go, know everyone we speak to. And we know that because history has shown us about the Stasi and the KGB and, and the Gestapo. Uh, and, uh, but we don't know what happens when marketers know everything about us and they follow us everywhere and they know everyone who we talk to. And we're starting to get uh, a feeling for what happens. And, and part of it is the, what I call the dangers to democratic societies and, and to the integrity of democratic societies. And, uh, you know, we saw that in, uh, you know, Facebook did a study a few years ago, uh, insiders in Facebook did a study, and they found that about two-thirds of people who joined extremist groups on Facebook did so because of Facebook recommendations. So, it's, so the information that's being collected by uh, tracking is fed into algorithms, and the algorithms are used to, uh, you know, keep us engaged, and they keep us engaged by sending us the most lurid information they can, and it drives us into rabbit holes, and it leads to extremism. And, and you know, that Facebook study is very clear. It's not ambiguous. Two-thirds of people who joined extremist groups did it because of their recommendations, so that's dangerous. Then there's the danger of ad fraud. We, you know, probably nobody knows for sure how big ad fraud is, but it's probably, according to most experts, $60 billion or more a year. And where is that $60 billion going? It's probably going to organized crime. It's probably going to uh, unfriendly governments who, uh, who can easily steal from the ad tech ecosystem. And uh, it's probably funding some very bad things in our world. Also, we know it's a national security issue. The U.S. Congress has, has a new uh, defense act going into place in which they say very clearly that they're afraid that uh, information gleaned from uh, tracking from ad tech is uh, funding some of our enemies and is a national security issue. And finally, there's the issue of whether the whole thing is illegal or not. I mean, real-time bidding takes 100... Uh, it, it broadcasts 197 billion times every day information about people in Europe all over the world, including to places in Russia and China. And we have no idea what happens to that information once it gets to Russia and China. So there are so many things that are a problem for tracking. And, and what's the benefit we get from tracking? Well, it's a little more convenient for marketers. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. The convenience of marketers is not as important to me as the um, as the privacy rights of individuals, and the integrity of democratic institutions. So that's my argument, and that's the case I hope I'm making in the book. Clearly, succinctly, and uh, cogently put, thank you. I'll dig into a little bit more some of the consequences for advertisers in a moment, but just picking up on a couple of things that you said there. Uh, Facebook, listen, I'm, I'm not acting as cheerleader-in-chief, more devil's advocate here. Uh, but Facebook have, as of a lot of the other platforms, done quite a lot of work, talked extensively about the work that is 
intended at least to stamp out some of the things, some of the consequences in terms of extremism. Do you not at least give them credit for that? No, I don't. They have so much money. They could do so much more than they're doing to moderate what's what's on their what's on their platform. Um, I just I just think they're doing a terrible job of it. For the amount of money that they have and they make, they should be doing so much more to 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 protect people. You know, they they claim they're not a publisher, they're a platform. I don't know what that means. But publishers have certain responsibilities, and the responsibilities are to act uh, in a mature way and, and, and to, um, you know, they, they claim freedom of speech. Everyone can say whatever they want on their platform. Well, freedom of speech does not give publishers the right to be stupid. And, you know, freedom of speech allows everyone to say what they want to say, but it does not uh, oblige everyone to publish what people say. On ad fraud, you mentioned some of the consequences. I noted that you used the word probably in terms of where the money might be going to. So I have to ask, how do you know these things? You've made a lot of pretty serious suggestions there of where the money might be going to and where it might end up. But how do you know? I don't know. Nobody knows. Uh, unfortunately, there's no international registry of fraud where uh, criminals have to go and tell us how much they've stolen and where, what they're doing with it. But the people who I trust, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, a researcher, I'm not a, a technology scientist, and I'm not a software engineer, but the people who do these things and the people that I trust uh, have, have done research on it and tell us what the most likely scenario is. Now, can I prove it? No. Uh, then, you know, nobody knows. It, all we have is likelihoods and probabilities. And the likelihoods are that there's a lot of money being stolen and that it's being stolen by criminals. And it is so, you know... You know, as I wrote it in the book, there's so much easy pickings for state-sponsored crimes to, you know, and there are plenty of regimes in this world who would love to have a, a few billions of dollars for doing nothing. And there's no consequences if they're caught. Let's say uh, we find that some state-sponsored organization is stealing uh, money from the advertising ecosystem what are what are the consequences for them there's none why wouldn't they and we know they're great at hacking i mean they they hacked 250 u.s government departments who thought they were perfectly secure they hacked the uh the cia they hacked they hacked our uh our military um, what was supposed to be encrypted, everything. And, you know, everything we've ever been told about security and privacy online has, in the fullness of time has turned out to be bullshit. And, and the, the bad guys are usually two or three steps ahead of the good guys. So I don't see why they wouldn't be stealing money when it's pretty much, there's no consequences for it. If I were one of them, I'd be doing it. I mean, it's clear then that you believe there are consequences and grave ones 
Uh, and as you suggest in the book, that by inaction, marketers, advertisers are, are, are complicit, I suppose. I mean, you make a number of assertions in the book. I paraphrase. Marketers have turned a blind eye to the damage that tracking-based marketing tactics have done. Now, again, uh, I speak to a lot of marketers all of the time. I, I don't believe that anybody is supporting fraud. Uh, not, and it's not. And I'm not sure it's a question of turning a blind eye to the outcomes. But I think that's what makes it particularly interesting. Yeah, uh, I'm not in agreement with you that they're not actively pursuing. I think if you look at all the trade organizations, at least here in the States, I don't know what's happening in the UK, but here in the States, anytime there's any serious legislation to uh, limit tracking, uh, the 4As, the IAB, the ANA oppose it. And anytime there's some you know, funky, make-believe legislation to almost to almost uh, put a limit on tracking. <clears throat> they support that. So I wouldn't say they're not actively in support of it. Now, you speak to individual marketers, and so that's different from trade organizations, but I think the individual marketers don't really care that much. I think they are more interested in what's convenient for them than they are in what's good for the world. And I think that the, the we have acted very irresponsibly, all of us in the advertising and marketing world, on this issue. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to give anyone a free pass on this. We all have responsibilities here, and we're all we're we're uh, we're kind of sleepwalking into a nightmare. Because this is going to come back and bite us, and it already has started to come back and bite us big time. And, it, you know, it, it's hard to believe that something as silly as advertising can be a danger to democratic societies, uh, but it is. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear, maybe I'm crazy, but I think it's pretty clear that we need to we need to step back and take a real hard look at what we're doing and why and whether it's really worth it. I mean, I think you alluded to this earlier on. I mean, again, uh, personal take. I, I think it's, it's it's almost a giddy sense of possibility that targeted and micro-targeted ads offer, you know, that one-to-one -one personalization that marketers often talk about and at scale and actually relatively low cost compared or comparatively. So there is a seduction here, particularly when it comes to tech and digital. I suppose what you're saying is that the trade-off, any, any advantage is not worth the disadvantage, the consequences that are graver, bigger. It's not that it's just not worth it. It's not even close to being worth it. I, I, I mean, the advantages that marketers may be getting from behavioral targeting versus contextual or other kinds of targeting is minimal. And, and the amount of danger that it's doing is enormous. You know, sooner or later, the um, sooner or later, tracking is going to be outlawed. It has to happen because it's too dangerous. And when it does, I, I promise you that the ad tech industry will come up with new ways of targeting that are not personal 
and they will say that their new ways are even better than targeting was because they're going to have to say that to keep their business. The advantages of personalized targeting, one-to-one individualized targeting, are not all that great. Marketing is, is not more effective than it used to be, despite all the bullshit that, that we've heard and said, marketing has become less effective, not more effective. So, you know, we, we need to rethink the whole thing. I suppose just on the question of effectiveness, uh, I mean, I suppose it depends what you're measuring, what you're determining as effectiveness. Some might say, uh, I mean, and you can make the data tell the story that you want it to say, uh, that there is perhaps more, uh, maybe it's more cost efficiency than effectiveness. But I know equally there are studies uh, in the UK uh, by Peterfield and Lesbian Nay that, uh, that do demonstrate that overall effectiveness is in decline. If you speak to marketing experts, right, speak to all the experts in the field, ask them, is marketing more effective than it was 20 years ago? Is advertising more effective than it was 20 years ago? You know, when I do that, I um, I get a unanimous opinion. No, it's not. So um, like you say, you can do your research and pretty much prove what you want about this. But uh, my opinion, having been in the advertising business for a hundred years. I I don't think marketing and advertising is any more effective than it was before we introduced all this dangerous tracking. There is a really interesting debate and perhaps that we'll go on to it in a short while, uh, but there's a couple of more questions I wanna uh, dig into and a couple more issues I wanna dig into around tracking. We've talked already in your book, uh, uh, details it uh, extensively of some of the consequences but what needs to be done here if we're accepting that something does need to change how can we force that change is it the job of the regulators what do they need to do well one would hope it would be the advertising and marketing industry who would grow up and say wait a second we need to act more responsibly this is not good this is not healthy for society it's not healthy for uh, for individuals, but that's not going to happen. We have proven ourselves to be too irresponsible to do that. And uh, so the regulators are going to have to do it. I'm, I'm not a big fan of government intervention in, in a lot of stuff, but, you know, they are the uh, arbiters of last resort, I guess. And since we are unwilling to do anything, uh, they're going to have to step in and they are stepping in and they'll do it. They'll do it clumsily like they did with GDPR. You know, it was, it was well-meaning, but it was a mess. And, and uh, when you get regulators and lawyers writing all this stuff, it, you know, it becomes complicated and confusing and contradictory. And, you know, we've had five years of, you know, lawsuits and adjudications and really not much, not that much has changed. The only other alternative is for a groundswell within the ranks of people in the advertising and marketing business saying to the aristocrats in the advertising and marketing business, you guys got to do something. If we, you know, if that would happen, that might change things. But 
I've seen absolutely no evidence that that's going to happen. Everyone who I talk to about this in the advertising and marketing industry pretty much agrees with me, but nobody is willing to do anything. The, the, you know, they shake their heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And then nothing happens. I mean, I don't know if this actually uh, underlines what you're saying or acts as a counter, but certainly, again, I'm focusing on the UK. Uh, although, actually, my first example would be uh, a US marketer, uh, Mark Pritchard. You might remember, I think it was 2017, made a speech in the US where he did call out the murky supply chain and called for change. Obviously, the P&G is one of the world's biggest advertisers, if not the world's biggest advertiser still. And I don't know what happened in the wake of that. Perhaps that proves what you're saying is that there's a certain indifference. But also after Cambridge Analytica, there was a lot of noise, a lot of talk of pressure, a lot of talk of change. And then there was a couple of scandals. There was uh, the Times newspaper uh, in the UK ran a couple of articles which pointed out the number of adverts uh, from household name brands uh, that were appearing alongside pretty wicked, pretty nefarious, uh, often terrorist content online and I know we're talking about different issues that led to those outcomes there but after each one of those there was a noise there was a resolve to change there was some movement so there is effort it doesn't sound as though you think that that effort is sustained shall I put it and you have much hope that uh, that kind of pressure that critical mass of pressure will uh, will happen yes you're right uh- uh, I'd like to comment on something you said there. You said, uh, talking about the brand safety stories in the Times, that it's really a, diff- a different issue from the fraud. It's not really a different issue. They, they're all based pretty much on the problem of tracking. The issue is still the same. The, the, all, all these nefarious things we're talking about are all based on tracking. And if tracking goes away, a lot of these problems go away. Not all the problems, but a lot of them go away. Uh, and yes, you're right. I don't think that we are sustained. You know, you, we have a we have a very short uh, memory here in um, in human being land. And we, you know, something goes wrong, and we all get excited. Oh, we have to do something about this. And then we get back to the office, and the client wants that on at three o'clock. So that's what we're focused on. We're not focused on the big issue that we said we need to talk about and change. So yeah, things are not sustained. The the concern about these issues are not being sustained by A, by people in our industry, B, by the public in general. To some degree, regulators, particularly over in Europe, are starting to, I think, understand the depth of the problem and starting to try to do something about it. Here in the States, pretty much nothing is happening. I I wish I could say I was hopeful that things are going to change, but uh, I'm really not. Let me move on to social media more generally. You use social media, so you, you obviously some value and benefit. You don't see it as all bad. I enjoy social media. I've made friends that I never would have made. Uh, Social media has helped me become, you know, why am I on your podcast today? Because of social media. Uh, I I have used it very successfully. 
uh, and it's helped me promote my books and it's given me a career as a speaker. And I've done it all with social media. I have no objection to the idea of social media. What I have an objection to is tracking in social media. And if a, tracking, and B, the responsibility of social media publishers. Those are, the, those are my two issues. You know, I, I'm not saying they're easy to solve. I'm not saying that uh, being a social media publisher is easy. You know, you're, you're, you're fighting a never-ending battle against, you know, creeps and, and criminals and bad people who want to do things on your platform and uh, it's ongoing and it's a wave that's coming at you all the time, but still they have to do a lot better than they're doing because they're really doing a terrible job. And second is the tracking and, you know, the formation of algorithms that are leading us in bad directions. So it's not social media per se. It's those two aspects of social media that are uh, upsetting to me. And presumably, if you were in the business of advising clients of where to spend their money, then social media without tracking would still be a good place to be, right? Because it's got the reach, it's got the engagement. Yes, it would. There's there, Once again, social media, If Russell, if we go back 10 years and we look at what social media was supposed to be, it was supposed to be the antidote to advertising, if you remember. You were going to post something on social media. It was going to be shared, and conversations were going to be happening about it, and it would go viral, and that was going to replace Go back and read the literature 10 years ago. It was going to replace advertising. And now social media, Facebook in particular, has become the largest repository of what it was supposed to replace. Because what has social media marketing become? It's become traditional paid advertising. That's what it is. It's not about sharing. It's not about conversations. It's not about virality. It's about paying money to run an ad on Facebook, on TikTok, on Instagram. So it is essentially, it has reverted to what it was supposed to replace. And it's a pretty good place for, and you know what? A, a lot of the, um, you know, Facebook is probably far less full of fraud than the ad networks, than, for example, the Facebook ad network is. Because uh, the, the, mo the more directly you buy from a publisher, the less likely you are to be um, harmed by fraud. And, and a lot of people buy directly from Facebook, and they're probably not as... Uh, susceptible to fraud now there's you know they're supporting what i think is is a bad thing in the in the way that facebook is tracking us all but um as far as uh avoiding fraud you're probably better off buying directly from platforms than buying through ad networks changing gear slightly at the beginning we talked about your well your Modica is the contrarian, and you talked for, uh, right at the beginning, we've talked throughout about how many things are wrong with the ad industry. I don't believe, or maybe I'm wrong, uh, you can't be 
totally convinced that there isn't any good, any worth, any value, any good people doing good things. So who who or what do you admire in advertising marketing today? Come on, there must be something, Bob. Yeah, well, there are a lot of great people in advertising and marketing. There are a lot of great things happening. I'm not... I, I, I'm an ad guy. I'm in favor of advertising. I, 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 I just want, you know, there are some things that are going wrong that we need to fix. And, and you know, to the people who are doing great ads, I admire, I wish, you know, when I was in the ad business, I wish I could do great ads. I wasn't good enough. Turns out I'm a, I'm better writing about advertising than I ever was at writing advertising. And I really admire good advertising people and good marketing people. But that's not interesting. <laughs> writing about how good someone is and, how, you know, that's fine. There are plenty of people that do it. They're blowing their own horns. That's, that's not what I do. I want to improve what we're doing. I don't want to praise what we're doing. And improving what we're doing means taking a, a, a hard look at um, at what the soft spots are. I came out of the creative department in the agency business, and I would love to see more emphasis on the creative work we're doing. We're so interested in data. We're so interested in metrics. We're so interested in technology. I wish we were as interested in getting back to 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 the one great contribution that advertising can make to marketing, and that is imaginative ideas. Uh, I, I wish we had more of it. You know, the, the production value in advertising these days is off the charts. It's so good. I mean, we, we can do miraculous things in, in production that we could never do before. And, and a lot of advertising just looks great. But... I'd like to see better ideas. I'd like to see better writing. I'd like to see uh, more imagination in what we're saying and what we're doing. If you're asking me what's good in advertising, you know, 70% of what we're trying to do is good. And uh, I know how hard advertising people work. I did it for years. It's not easy. It's very hard work. Much, much harder to produce something good than everybody thinks it is. Uh, you know, th there's a reason why there are so many bad books in the world and bad songs and bad movies and bad, you know, it's because producing good stuff is really, really hard. And the same goes for advertising. It's really, really hard. And there aren't that many people who can do it well consistently. It reminded me uh, just what you were saying there of uh, there's the, well, it's, I don't know whether or not I'm going to uh, somewhat garble uh, the great David Abbott's quote here, but shit at the speed of sound is still shit. <laughs> yeah. um, I was reminded what you were saying there about the, the prominence of, of data, but obviously data enables people to track the effectiveness, whether or not they're measuring the right things, uh, calling back to what we talked about earlier, is debatable. But it does mean that the... Uh, the assessment of effectiveness generally comes down to the effectiveness of media uh, as opposed to the effectiveness of creativity, which in turn perhaps somewhat diminishes or relegates creativity as part of 
the marketing communications process. I mean, is is sorry, I don't I don't want to interpret what you were saying, but is, is that the kind of thing that you meant? There? Media is much easier to measure than creativity. How do you measure creativity? I don't even know. I've been working in this business a thousand years, and I still don't know how to measure creativity. Media is easier to measure. You know, you can, you know, what your CPMs are and how many people you reached and all that stuff. Doesn't mean you're having any impact, which is really, the, you know, which is really the um, important part of media. Uh, you know, we're starting to get to that with attention metrics, I think. Uh, but how do you measure creativity? It's very hard. People who are trained in marketing, MBAs, are taught how to use logic to solve problems. And using logic is the right way to solve problems 95% of the time. And the people who are, you know, judging, you know, you know making marketing decisions, uh, the more logical you are, the better you are at doing that, except in one area, and that is advertising. The, the application of, of logic to advertising just doesn't work. Advertising ads are not a court case. The one who has the most logical argument doesn't always win. And it's very hard for marketing people to understand that they want, you know, they look at um, advertising, you know, an agency is presenting them with some alternatives and they look at the advertising, they, which one solves our problem best. That ain't how it works in advertising. It's not about applying logic to problem solving. That ain't how it works. And it's very hard for MBAs and marketing people to uh, to understand that. It can be both, though, can't it, just listening to what you said there? Because, of course, creativity often comes from when you least expect it. Uh, Rory Sutherland has written, I don't know if you're aware of Rory, uh, a sure, lot yeah. about uh, this in a book yeah. uh, uh, he, he published a couple of years ago where, you know, some of the best innovation comes when, uh, you know, either from the margins or, or from exploration without, objective um i'm i forgive me rory i might be uh, totally uh, mangling your 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 best work there in explaining it but uh, so there is that but then there's craft and then there's tried and trusted ways of doing things and that's over often overlooked as well uh, in favor of the big creative idea or the new and shiny thing so you have to have a balance of both right yeah i mean uh, what you're doing has to have some kind of sense to it we want to take advertising and divide it up into two areas, the logical and the emotional. And I don't think that works. Advertising is impressionistic. That, that's how it works. It's neither logic nor, nor emotion. It's impressionistic. And, and uh, I, you know, I, I can't define what that means, but I feel in my bones that that's how it works. Impressionism is a way to communicate that isn't either logical or emotional. It's something else. And uh, I wish I could define it better than that. But uh, that's how I feel about it. Well, it feels like we're straying into almost philosophical uh, ter territory here. But uh, I think it's also a nice positive way to finish advertising as impressionism. Uh, so thank you very much for your thoughts on that, uh, your thoughts on 
ad tech and all the other big challenges and issues that we've covered. So thank you very much, Bob, for your time today. Until next time on the podcast, goodbye.